Hi, this is Andre Dawson, and you're listening to Ryan and Chad on the Friendly Confines Podcast. Chad, another week and another big guest that we get. And this one is one of the most entertaining ones we've had in quite some time. It's Ryan Dempster from the Marquee Sports Network. Of course, Ryan, longtime baseball player, pitched nine seasons for the Cubs. And man, he was a lot of fun to talk to. So much fun. He dives deep and something I know you love with the improv work and and his goal of, you know, eventually getting a, a Netflix episode with his comedy work as a stand-up comedian. One thing I want all of our listeners to, to pay special attention to, ask him the Sammy Sosa question. Here's a guy that played ball with Sammy Sosa, and he had a take that I really appreciated the reflection. I really appreciated um, what he said, and it may change your mind if you are in the anti-Sammy category. Absolutely. So stay tuned because the special edition episode with Ryan Dempster starts right now. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. You know, we're always excited when we can get some big names, and this week is no different. Of course, Major League Baseball pitcher for quite some time. He spent seven of those years with the Chicago Cubs. Now, he's a broadcaster. He does Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster, which lives as both a TV series on the Marquee Sports Network and a podcast series. You, of course, can find the full episodes of each podcast. They're available at offthemound.com. You can find him at Twitter at Dempster46. And in addition to Off the Mound, this guy also serves as a game and studio analyst for the Marquee Sports Network. Of course, you know that because you'll watch him when you're watching Cubs games. And he's also a studio analyst for MLB Network. I think I gave his name away already. It's Ryan Dempster joining us here on the Friendly Confines. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here on the seventh inning stretch with Chad and Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Anytime I got a chance to be inside the Friendly Confines, I'll sign me up. I'm all in. <laughs> well, we definitely appreciate it. I want to get into so much with you. Uh, I definitely want to get into the comedy uh, career and the improv and the show and everything like that. But I'd be remiss if we just didn't talk about the house cleaning stuff first and talking about the trade deadline and obviously the moves that this team made uh, going into this week as we are, believe it or not, in the stretch run in the final month of the season. Um, the Cubs got some relievers. They got Jose Martinez. Um, they were able to kind of solidify some areas as well. What do you make in Cameron Maven as well in the outfield? What do you make of some of these moves? And you feel like this kind of solidified the opportunity for this team to really be the team to beat in the National League? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it was a trading deadline unlike any other, right? We've never seen anything like this in, in baseball history or uh, having to deal with a, a shortened season and, you're really only getting a guy for a month, uh, you know, hopefully two, actually, because you want him for the playoffs, too. But um, it's not necessarily about going out and getting the biggest name. It's about who do you feel like can help you the most over the next month and, you know, a chance to maybe get a, a left-handed reliever who historically has done pretty good, especially against left-handed batters and, you know, gets a chance to be on a winning ball club and getting put in those situations to succeed. And then to add two guys like Martinez and Maven, Guys are successful against left-handed pitching. Um, you know, that's that's really, really important. So um, I, I like the moves. I thought they were really good. You got a team in first place, and you you tinker and you add um, four pieces that could potentially help you win ball, some ball games down 
you know, the next little bit here, it, you know, it, it's, it's cool to see what they did. You know, it, it's hard. Everybody, everybody's in it. So not a lot of people are getting rid of players. So it was, it was hard to navigate through and I thought they did a great job. And Rhino, this is, this is Chad. Uh, and I want to talk to you about the Craig Kimbrell situation and we can go in a lot of different ways, but from your perspective, because you've had some success on the mound in that moment, what do you make about Kind of his struggles in in a Cubs uniform, and and can tell us a little bit about the psyche, and then you know how did you how did you overcome those pressure situations when you found yourself in a in a, in a struggle? Yeah, well, a couple of things. One, you know, people said, "What's wrong with Craig Kimball?" And I, it, to me personally, and 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 I think I have a good grasp on both the role and um, watching him throw and stuff like that. It's it's not physical. He's still throwing ninety eight miles an hour. Um, he's got a sharp breaking ball. I just think it comes down to what's between the ears and that's truly always the success of of any professional athlete and major league baseball player it's always between the ears whatever that whatever that is in between there whether that's the discipline to put the workouts in whether that's the ability to overcome failures um no matter what it is and i think he's just struggling with a little of that right now and not really trusting himself and it's easier said than done i've i've been a guy as a closer that in 2005 was one of the better closures in the league. And in 2006, everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, in the middle of May, a grinding halt came and I was kind of terrible for the, the rest of the year. It felt like every time I was pitching, I was walking guys and there's guys on base and I just wasn't doing my job. And then because of that, my number suffered and even worse, the team suffered. And it's hard when you've been a guy like him, that's been dominant for so long to, um, to go through these, these times in your career and, he puts the work in, he's going to keep working, you know, and it's, it's like a catch 22, right? The fans are like, oh, why do you put Kimball on there? This is brutal. And thank God there's nobody in the, in the stands because you feel the booze. And I always said that doesn't help us any. Yeah. When we're out there and we're playing. It doesn't, doesn't help our psyche that you boo or you, you tell me that I'm, that I suck. Great. Cool. I know that I'm a good self-evaluator. <laughs> so I, I think, I think, you know, just trying to support him and continue to just, because ultimately He's here for another year and a half. You want him to do well. So, you know, he's probably not going to get those high leverage situations, but it's not a matter of stuff. It's a matter of, you know, the psyche right now and trying to overcome that. And you talk about dominance, Ryan, you look on the other side and you see what Hugh Darvish has been doing so far, the numbers he's putting up. This is the guy who Cubs fans. And I think everybody, when he signed that big contract, this is the pitcher we were all hoping for. And now we're seeing it. Are, are we, in your opinion, seeing the best pitcher in baseball pitch for the Chicago Cubs right now? Yeah. I mean, right now, no doubt. I've seen it live. I've seen it in person. Um, I've watched it calling games, you know, dating back to the all-star break last year. Um, he found he found his steady. He found his zone, his place to be. And not easy signing a hundred and twenty million dollar contract to come somewhere to a new city with a fan base like Chicago. And you know, you lose Jake Arietta and you replace Hugh Darvish. He feels that, man. Hugh's a guy of pride. He he understands what all of that means and he's trying to live up to those expectations. And sometimes that's hard. It's hard enough to live up to your own expectations. And it took a little while and he's got there. And I think over, you know, you look at over the course of the last you know, last season into this season, he's dominant. He's nasty. He throws seven pitches and he commands them and he can manipulate the baseball as good as anybody. I played with him in Texas in 2012 when I got traded down there. And I played catch with him and I remember saying to people like, dude, he does stuff with a baseball nobody does. Just the way he can move it around and make it spin and make it move. And um, he, he's, you know, 
an incredibly diligent, hardworking guy. He's one of the nicest guys you'll be around. And I couldn't be happier for somebody's success, knowing him a little bit and everything he's had to kind of overcome to get back to being the, the guy that they thought they were going to get and that, that he thought he was going to be when he got here. And he's also uh, sneaky good and sneaky funny uh, with his Twitter game. And so you were talking oh, <laughs> so good. And you were talking before about how the booze in the stands aren't the most helpful thing. I would imagine you would say the same thing about Cubs Twitter. If, if you'd read it, you would think that uh, this team is 20 games out on day one. Uh, in some cases, there's that faction. Um, but this is a team that's leading the division. This is a team that made some key moves here at the, at the deadline with a month to go, with 30 days until the playoffs. How do you handicap this NL Central race? Yeah, it's a close one. I mean, I'm not surprised the Cardinals are always there. They're just too well run as an organization, you know, the way they are top to bottom from the moment they get a player, how they teach them to play the game and how prepared they are. And even all the doubleheaders they have to play, the injuries that they've taken on and all those things, they're always going to be really, really good. Um, I'm surprised the Reds haven't been a little bit better. You know, when you look at their offense, an offense that I thought was going to put up a ton of runs hasn't really done that as much, but they're, you know, they made a couple pickups to try and, better their team a little bit but the Cubs are the favorite and that's the benefit you get of starting out 13 and three and you can overcome some stumbles along the way or an injury here or there um then you go out there and continue to play and uh, there's no reason in my mind why they can't you know a win their division but b compete for the national you know pennant there's some good teams the Dodgers are always good Padres are electric right now yada 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 but experience helps in the playoffs and you got a lot of guys with a lot of experience who've been there before in the biggest stage and you know, you haven't even got Javi Baez is hot yet. Chris Bryant's been hurt and not hot. You got all these guys who haven't really been themselves yet. And if you can get them in the next month, you know, then, wow, you're talking about a team that could really run away with this division if you get those guys going. So um, I like their chances as good as anybody. And I think that they're capable of winning this division and competing against the best teams in the league to go out there and win a World Series. Ryan, what about Rossi that you've seen that maybe you are even more surprised that he's been able to do this year that you didn't expect from him? And has he maybe even exceeded your expectations as a first-year manager? No, I, th I don't think he's been that good at all. I mean, <laughs> he's got a little scruffy with his beard at times. You know, that's not setting a good example. I mean, he should be clean-shaven all the time. Um, I noticed he's getting a little bit of a coach's bot. I'm going to have to talk to him about it. I don't know if I need to get him a Peloton or what it is, but um, he'll get there. You know, as, as Rossi and I knew from our playing days, the best thing you can do as a manager is stay out of the way and let the players play. And, uh, and I know I joke about that, but he's, he's done such a tremendous job of that and supporting them and communicating with them and having their back. And, you know, you look at the opportunity that he gave to these guys and, you know, especially like, you know, the end half, right. So he, Here's Ian Happ and this young kid with all his talent in the world. He's a switch hitter. You know how hard it is to not play every day and be a hitter in the big leagues? And then to not be a hitter, uh, not play every day and be a switch hitter just becomes really hard. And Rossi to just say Ian Happ's my center fielder and he's going to play and he's going to play every day and you're seeing the results from it. Those are the kind of things that have really stood out to me and the way that he's, you know, had guys backs. Even the times that Kimbrell struggled to put him back out there, that's what guys care about, that you have them as a person and as a human being and then a player second. He's done a great job. And, you know, to get these guys ready and make them stay ready and um, the energy that they've shown during, you know, during this time, I think they probably lead the league in cheering and chirping from the dugout. And <laughs> good for them, man. They're a tight, tight group, and that's because of his leadership. Ryan, let's let's pivot a little bit to the fan stuff. Uh, appreciate your take on, on this year's team and, and where they are and where you think they're going. But 
Let's talk a little bit about your time in a, a Cubs uniform because there's a lot of our listeners that remember you very fondly. What, what, what are some of your fondest memories of, of strapping it on and, and showing up at Wrigley Field to go to work? Oh, man, so many. You know, uh, my first Major League start ever was at Wrigley Field against the Cubs. Mm. Um, June 1st, 1998. And Sammy hit a homer that day, hit 19 more that month. And um, I just remember remember running up to center field to get ready for the game and the bleachers and the feeling of it all and just being like I gotta play here one day I gotta be a Chicago Cub one day and then when you get a chance to put that uniform on and you know I always lived in the neighborhood I still do and you you feel the fans and the energy that they provide and it's a special special place to to go to work every day to be your office and I, I never took it for granted I tried to give my best effort every time I knew I wasn't perfect far from it but um you were going to get everything I had. And, you know, I really wanted to bring a world series as a player, you know, to the town and, um, you know, doing stuff like, you know, closing out ball games at Wrigley on a Sunday afternoon against the Cardinals when, you know, 40,000 are just bouncing up and down and, um, you know, to pitch at the all-star game in, in 2008 representing the team with all the guys that we had and winning back-to-back division championships and, uh, you know, just incredible, incredible times. And, I just I love it. I loved every minute of it. It, it really was a, an honor for me to be able to play at Wrigley and remember, you know, memories and, and friendships that I developed with season ticket holders and people in the neighborhood. And I think my favorite thing was probably after a game, after we just win a game and the energy around there, you know, um, you see the, the fans around the bleachers around Murphy's bleachers or Bernie's and having drinks in the patio and they're saying hi to you and you're saying hi, or you stop at somebody out in front of their stoop and play a game of bags on the way home and you just appreciate how much they they love their cubbies and um and it meant a lot you know it almost felt like you were playing for some little small hometown team yet you're here you were on the biggest of stages it's pretty cool we're talking with ryan dempster of course longtime major league pitcher now the host of off the mound on the marquee sports network kind enough to join us here on the seventh inning stretch so ryan i want to get into this when you and i have a couple of things in common aside from our first name i i also do improv comedy i'm not great at it but i do it and i also Same. started taking stand-up comedy although covid kind of put an end to that because while i was in the classes covid happened and i never got the opportunity to do my five minute set but i would love to get into this with you about when you maybe got the itch to not only start doing improv but was it always something that you did when you were a kid growing up even playing that you enjoyed telling jokes or being funny or playing out like improvisational sketches with your friends. And it's now something you've kind of taken now with off the mound and, and doing even stand-up comedy. Yeah. Um, it, it really was, it was always something, you know, I, I was telling somebody that I ran into my, my childhood babysitter a couple summers ago and uh, I hadn't obviously seen her forever. And she's um, my uncle's age. And she said, you know, when you made, baseball uh i was like oh really wow that's that's pretty incredible and then when i found out you got into comedy and wanted to do stand-up and doing this show she's like yeah i totally get it you were always you know cracking jokes or being that kid at the dinner table when i was babysitting you boys and i have two younger brothers and my dad always believed in humor he was always telling jokes and the life of the party he still is and um i just i always just embraced that i i i strongly believe in the power of, of laughter and smiling and 
um, you know, the silver lining to things. And then I just try to figure out how to balance both, right? Do my job, be respectful of other people and still be the guy in the clubhouse, in the dugout that's, that's having fun and keeping it light. You know, if you watch a game on TV and there's two teams playing and then the scores eight to nothing, and the broadcaster will be watching the game and he'll say, look at those guys down there. They're winning eight nothing. They're all having fun. They all got great handshakes. Aren't they? Look at them. So much fun, man. That's what it's all about. But if the team on the other side losing eight nothing and we're doing that, the thing is that everybody says, look at them. They're not taking anything seriously. Just jacking around in the dugout. It's like, well, wait a second. So we can't let the results dictate who we are. I mean, yeah, does it suck to lose? Sure. I've snapped. Have I broke things in the clubhouse? For sure. I've had some tough moments, but at the end of the day, when you walk away from that, it's, we're just, we're just humans playing a game. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. Some other guy on the other side gets paid every person, the 15th too, he gets paid to do a job. It's inevitable that one of these is going to fail. So let's just stay true to who we are. And I think, you know, when we're relaxed and we're having fun, we do our best and then getting done playing baseball and getting into comedy and the stand up. Oh man, that's scary. Face and pools with the bases loaded. Cool. You know, I'm nervous for sure, um, but it's a good nervous, you know. It's getting up into Gotham Comedy Club in New York, uh, you know, right before Jim Gaffigan and then bombing is like, man, yeah. um, should, I, should I do this again? Should I really do this again? <laughs> and then you think, yeah, I should. You know, I should do this again. And it's a lot of fun. And I've been having fun trying to put together, you know, a, a 90 minute Netflix special five minutes at a time. How long is your set right now? If I can just ask you that real quick. Do you have a, like a set that's like 20, 30 minutes or are you not there yet? Um, I'd say probably I'd be pretty comfortable with 30 minutes right now. Um, you know, but uh, just, the, yeah, I, I'd say I'd be pretty comfortable with that. I, I have a lot of material that I've used that I know goes over well, whether it's, you know, sports, uh, you know, kind of fan base, people there that like sports and understand sports, or, you know, sometimes I'll do mother's, uh, bar and grill at mother's mom's tavern in uh in chicago and nobody in there i don't even think they know anything about the cubs so and it's a, it's a lot of fun to just kind of do both so um it, it's been a blast and i love writing and trying to come up with new ideas and things that i find funny i just write them down or like mitch hedberg says if i don't have a pen i just convince myself what i thought of wasn't that funny right let me ask you i you know and i want to get more into this with you as far as with the improv and and whatnot the Harry Carey impersonation is now kind of become something you're associated with as well. When did that start for you? I don't remember exactly when that all became a thing for you. I don't know if it happened when you were with the Cubs or prior to that. When did that all of a sudden start to become kind of a calling card and an impersonation that you, you look to do and people kind of now have associated you with, with that sort of imitation as well? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, actually, I, I my first kind of real experience with Harry came uh, when I was, uh, I was 10 years old. Jerome Walton, I think 1987, he won the M, uh, Rookie of the Year. Is that 87? 89. 89, sorry. So I was 12. I was 12 years old because I remember he was a rookie. And, uh, and the, there was a Cubs game on WGN, and I was in our in our hometown in Gibson's British Columbia, and we managed to, somehow somebody was bringing it that day, and we had the Cubs game on it. There was a runner on second base with two out and uh, the Cubs were up one bottom or top of the ninth inning at Wrigley. And there was a, like the, the, the tweener ball that no man's zone behind Sean Dunstan and Dunstan was going back and left fielder was coming in and Jerome Walton was coming in, you know, and I'll just never forget Harry Carey on that moment. I was listening to it and he's like, 
there's a drive to left field and duds to dunder it. Should be the game in comes the left fielder and here comes Walton and the ball fell in, you know, because they did yep. the, I got it, you got it. <laughs> yep. And, and I just remember Harry Carey going, here in comes Walton. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. That's right. And I remember looking at my brother going, what? You ever seen that on TV? <laughs> Holy cow, this guy's a legend. Very good, yes. And and I was just like, oh man. And so then I started paying attention to some things, but we didn't get a ton of games. And then when I started following, you know, down and playing in the minor leagues and following Cubs games on WGN when you're in the minors and you can get them everywhere and um just kind of loved it. And then when I got to Chicago and getting to know, you know, Dutchie and, and Grant DePorter at Harry Carey's and really developing a relationship. And then I just started asking stories, Pat Hughes stories and different things. And you just realize what a legend this guy was and the storyteller he was and his ability to hold you in an inning and really never tell you at all kind of what went on other than the outs. I always thought was a, a lot of fun. And, you know, Will Ferrell, we have a very similar type raspiness. Will's just off the wall talking about moons made out of, you know, cheese and all kinds of stuff. I like I like to bring actual real stories that might have happened, you know. Now you know where this is going. Ryan is eventually leading up to he wants to join you in an improv skit show and and just take this on the road, but uh 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so Ryan, I want to ask you a couple questions um from your perspective about and let's I want to talk about Sammy Sosa. So you've had an opportunity, you had an opportunity to share a locker room with him and and it's such a I feel like it's such a lightning rod. Um, and I don't mean to get all serious, but just to say, what do you think, and you play with the guy, what do you think it's going to take? What do you want to see? What what will allow him, other than maybe him putting aside his ego a little bit, um, to go back into Wrigley Field and, and get the accolades and honors that, uh, that I think he so rightly deserves? Yeah, you know what? I think that um, I've thought about this a lot, and I played with Sammy, and he was a very obviously um, polarizing figure. Um, especially in my first year in Chicago was 2004. So um, coming off the 03 season and then his last year in Chicago and um, we, we build these guys up, right? We put, we put yeah. Sammy on this enormous pedestal Yeah. and, and he, and he lived to it, man. Like he, he really did. He, he was hit. It wasn't like he hit 60 for a couple years and then we put him on this pedestal and then he just was terrible. No, he continued to produce. He continued to run out there to right field and do his thing with the right field bleachers. You know, the hop, the entertaining the fans, the kiss to the camera, um, you know, to continue to have that smile and play the game. And he showed up every day to play hard. And then one day he just had a tough moment and he left early and it seemed to tarnish everything. This is before all the Mitchell report stuff, right? So and, th- and that was really where the downfall started. Then it's like Sammy left the team. And it's like, wait, this guy who carried a franchise for years, he was the reason to go to Cubs games, him and Kerry Wood, right? What are we going to see today? Sammy hit three homers or, you know, Kerry punch out 20. He did everything you asked of him more. And then for one day he had a lapse and we wanted to just, I did. I was mad as a teammate. I'm like, why did you leave us? Why did you abandon us? You know, that's, that's BS. And then it's like, man, that's kind of unfair. Like he, he really, he really didn't deserve all of that. Now, then you have the other stuff come in and the PED stuff. And, but at the same time, when all of that was going on, we glorified these guys. If somebody can honestly tell me that out there, we didn't think some of these guys like him and McGuire were on performance enhancing drugs, then 
shame on us. You know, we were fine with it. Everybody was. Everybody was fine watching it on TV. Everybody was not even not everybody. I'm sure there are people who weren't. I'm not speaking for everybody. But it was bringing baseball back, the home run chase. And then and then we want to just like treat them like they're the worst humans ever because they got caught up in that own environment that we created of them. That own pedestal, that Michael Jackson, you know, the Beatles mania that we treated these guys with, right? Mm. So I, I really hope that there's some sort of way that it happens that he comes back because I think he did so many great things for the organization and for the city and for the fans and Cubs fans and who went to the ballpark to sit in the left field bleachers and their only hope that day, they didn't give a shit if the Cubs won or not. They just wanted to catch a Sammy Sosa home rumble. And there's thousands and thousands of people who thought that. So I, I hope that, I don't know what it is that will happen, but I hope that happens one day. Ryan Zemster is our guest here on the seventh inning stretch. Ryan, I'll, I'll end with this uh, away from uh, the Cubs, but I read a story of something that, um, it was really cool to, to read, and it was about the Little League experience that you gave to these kids in Vancouver, Canada. Um, for those who may not know the story, um, there's literally, and correct me if I'm getting the story right, Ryan, I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly. There's Little Leaguers in uh, Vancouver that unfortunately had their season canceled, and they were just doing drills, and you were kind enough to set up basically a game for them at Nat Bailey Ballpark. You paid for all their expenses um, and, and gave them the thrill of a lifetime. Um, I was just, you know, listen, I think it's stories like this that need to be public and put out there for people like yourself because of just the selfish, you know, the, the selfless behavior that you put out there to make these things happen for these kids. How did you get a hold of this story um, and hear about it? And how did this all come about for you? Because it was absolutely amazing what you did. Well, thanks. And, you know, more importantly, it was really amazing for those kids to be able to kind of experience that. Um, what happened was actually a good thing through Twitter. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> uh, a good friend of mine, Rob Fay, who's the voice of the Vancouver Canadians. Uh, another good friend, Andy Dunn, who used to run the Marlins minor league facility down in Brevard County. Uh, he's now the, the general manager with the Canadians. They put out a little story on Twitter and I saw it. And I was like, wait a second, they're renting out at Bailey Stadium. And, and in my head, I, I, I guess I just never thought about the impact of no minor league baseball and um, what it has on everybody, right? All the vendors and the people whose jo jobs rely that summer. And um, so I thought, oh man, what a great thing to be able to do. I'm going to, I'm going to rent out the stadium for a day and, um, you know, maybe, maybe figure out who I'm going to give it to. And so we talked about a couple different things and then um, I was like, well, why can't I just do it for, you know, the little league kids around? Maybe they can have a, a game to be able to go out there. And um, my best friend contacted me back home, said that they were interested in doing it. And they put together a game against West Vancouver. And so we just kind of made it all happen. And the, the people of the Vancouver Canes have been unbelievable to be able to, A, rent that space out and give these kids a chance to, to feel that for a day. You know, odds are 0% of them will, will make it to the major leagues or, um, or, you know, 1% might make it to, you know, the Vancouver Canadian short season. A. I mean, that's the, the realistic number. So for them to be able to go there and feel what that feels like to a place that they've been and watch these minor league kids play and, and continue to have hope and chase for their dreams during a really, really tough time for them where their baseball seasons have been canceled. And, you know, you don't want to lose them. You don't want them to lose the, the thought of playing baseball again. And um, I remember being down the right field line. I was 14 years old. And I, uh, I went and sat behind the bullpen 
and Wayne Edwards, left-handed reliever, and Don Paul, both of the Chicago White Sox, uh, they they sat there and entertained this kid. Me, they just listened to my questions. I asked, I, I I burned their ears off with like, "What do you guys do for running? And how do you get this guy out?" And they're just like, "Jesus, kid, do we have any friends? Do you talk to anybody?" And so, but they were really great. And then pan ahead years later, by the way, Don Paul ends up being my teammate with the 1998 Florida Marlins. Crazy world, I know. But I just remembered that moment. I remembered how lucky I felt to just be sitting there, and I thought, man, to be able to give this to these to these kids that opportunity to just go out there and keep that little spark and that little fire burning inside of them that one day hopes that they can be a major league baseball player too. If we can do that and give them an excitement, exciting time during a really tough time in the world, then, then that's worth every penny ever paid for anything like that. Cause they're the next generation and that's what it's all about. Really awesome. That's, that's really something special. Oh, Ryan Dempster, yeah. of course, you can find him on the Marquee Sports Network during broadcasts and the host of Off the Mound, the podcast, the television series. Go to offthemound.com. Check it out there. He's got amazing guests. I mean, Chad, you think we get decent guests? No, Ryan's guests are in another stratosphere. Yeah, but we get Ryan Dempster, though. That's true. That's yeah. true. We do get Ryan Dempster, so that's fantastic. Ryan, thank you so much, man. Hey, we really appreciate it, and I'm, I, I'm just throwing it out there. We do online improv shows now because of COVID, and this is my personal invitation to you. If you ever want to do an improv show online with our with our group, we would love to have you, man. It would be a <laughs> lot of fun coming. if you ever want to play with <laughs> us. Oh, that's you ever do, Okay. Just, just throwing it we out will, there. We will connect about that. Absolutely. I would love that. That would be a lot of fun. Um, Ryan, thanks again, man. This was great, and we really appreciate the time. Hey, no problem, Ryan. Chad, thank you guys so much, man. Thanks for having me on. Rhino, now we're going to talk about, I'm so excited, our new partner, the Federalist Wine. So excited to bring them on. This is our second week. Uh, make sure you tune in to last week's episode with Andre Dawson and then the full in interview with Andre. We still have that fantastic free Cubs hat uh, giveaway. Make sure you uh, tune in. You can figure out how to to uh, text uh, a code to a certain number and you can get a free Cubs hat. What else do you know about your new favorite wine from Federalist? Mm -hmm wines talk about their firm tannins i don't even know what tannins are i know uh, food flavors you know what i can tell you this is the federalist this is an american wine crafted for the only tasting note that matters and you know what that is damn good taste and it goes well with dude food my friend <laughs> it really does it is it's a bold choice with baseball or a backyard barbecue they can you can just have it and try it for yourself. You can grab a bottle. This is a really cool promotion. If you go to uncorked.com, that's uncorked.com, use, use code CUBS20 at checkout, and you get 20% off your purchase. That is courtesy of our partners there at The Federalist. This is The Federalist. This is American Craft Wine. Yes, must be 21 or older to consume alcohol. Please drink responsibly. You want a totally uncensored, unfiltered Chicago Bears pregame show from the perspective of diehard Chicago Bears fans? We've got you covered. Here on our YouTube channel for the Barroom Network, we've got a show called The Barfly Tailgate Show. It's just a bunch of diehard Chicago Bears fans ready to rock and roll before the start of every Bears game. Remember, The Barfly Tailgate Show on the Barroom Network's YouTube channel. And a special thanks to Ryan Dempster. Of course, you can find him on Twitter at Dempster46. 
Loved his answer about Sammy Sosa. That was really interesting. And how about what he did for those little leaguers in Vancouver, Chad? Pretty cool uh, for a fellow Canuck to help out his own people and uh, really give those kids something special during a time that obviously all of us are kind of dealing with some really, you know, difficult situations. So kudos to Ryan for that. And I feel like that's something that doesn't get enough press. I, I completely agree. Great story. It's always nice when you see good people doing great things. And, um, you know, we didn't ask the question and I, 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 I was kind of kicking myself after, but how often is he riding his bike you know, around <laughs> the stadium? Cause you know, he, he caught a ball, a ball hit out of Wrigley field and just flips it over to a ball hog. I thought that was one of the most baller videos of 2020. So such a great interview. We, we like to say this, we hope you agree. I mean, we had Andre Dawson the week before, you know, we've had Mike Greenberg, Pat Hughes, Lynn Casper. I mean, the list goes on and on. All the the great guests we get. Nobody gets better guests for a Cubs fans, um, Cubs podcast. So please make sure you um, go to Facebook and go to the Friendly Confines Facebook headquarters uh, on just search for the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook headquarters on Facebook and join the page if you haven't already and let us know. Who do you want us to go after? We've got some big names in the hopper. We can't wait to share with you. Uh, and if you want to follow Ryan, Ryan is at Ryan D. Lieber on Twitter. You can follow me at the Chad Gordon on Twitter. And, and again, Rhino, another fun show. It really, really was. So keep listening, keep subscribing, and make sure you wear a mask. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Have a good one. just a game for I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago you're blessed and you're healed the first time you walk into Wrigley Hey everyone, Ryan Badgley from the Barfly Tailgate Show and football season is kicking off and I know you feel like I do, so to steal a phrase from WWE superstar Daniel Bryan, yes, yes, yes! And I also know you are like me and you love the work Alan Robinson is putting out on the football field, but also off the field. That's why we're so pleased to partner with the Allen Robinson Within Reach Foundation. Their work provides educational opportunities and resources to low-income and inner-city Chicago students to help put success within reach. How can you help? Immediately, you can visit allenrobinson12.org and learn more about what they are doing and make a donation. If you can't donate money, can you donate your time? The foundation is always looking for volunteers. And... Please let others know about their great work. In the coming weeks, the Barroom Network will hold some fundraising efforts, and we hope that you'll be a part of those. And again, let your family and friends know. Now, how about them Chicago Bears? I'm so psyched up for this season. I think A-Rob has 100 catches and double-digit touchdowns. Now let's bear down. Hey everyone, I'm Chad Gordon. And I'm Ryan Lieber. We're the hosts of the Friendly Confines podcast. Each week we'll bring you the latest Cubs news from the fans' perspective with some of the biggest names in sports. Joe Buck, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Yeah, oh my God, I'm happy to do it. 
Pat Hughes, welcome to the seventh inning. Happy to be here, Chad. It is Len Kaffer. You got it, Ryan. Chad, happy to be with you guys. The Hawk, Andre Dossett. What is my distinct pleasure? I'm doing fine, thank you. We're also excited to bring you new episodes as part of the Barroom Network. So if you're a Cubs fan or even just a baseball fan, be sure to check out the Friendly Confines podcast every week on the Barroom Network. Hey, this is Len Casper, the TV voice of the Chicago Cubs. You're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan. 